Isn't God good? I love him so much. He's so good to us. And we don't deserve anything, do we? We don't deserve anything. Everything we have has been a gift given to us from God. And who's thankful for what God has done for you? What he's done for you in every way. He's done a supernatural work. Right? He's done a supernatural work. That's the greatest work, which is redeeming us from the grip of hell, redeeming us from the grip of sin. He rescued us. Didn't he rescue us? Who knows that we've been rescued? Who knows now that we've been rescued? Sometimes you don't realize at first, right? When you first come to Jesus, we come because um, of what either, you know, the little bit that we understand that, that we know we need him, but we don't quite get it, right? Or, or we hear presentation of the gospel that he is what you need and you know. But then when he starts doing a work inside you, right? When the Holy Spirit starts going to work in you and transforming you. Dan's been giving us uh, our daily blog and it's been a mind transformation. He's been reading and the Holy Spirit does a work, and the fruit is His life out of you. And then you realize, then you realize, and honestly, you'll keep realizing it until the day you die, that how much He's rescued you from. And in fact, He rescues you from many, many things that you will never know. There's been many things that we've been rescued from that we don't even know, but we're thankful that he never leaves us and never forsakes us. God is so good to us. His love is so immense. It's unfathomable. I never get tired of saying it. That's the gospel message. The message is his love. He loved us for God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved us that much that his only son was given as a gift Jesus laid his life down willingly. He said, no one can take it from me. I give it willingly. He did it for us. It's an incredible gift, and we never, ever, ever should get tired of talking about that simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have anointed your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you... Uh, were promised to us to bring remembrance, Lord. Jesus told us that after he went again to be with the Father, after his purpose was fulfilled on this earth through his life and his death, that the Holy Spirit would then bring the word into our hearts, bring the word to give us continued life, to continue on what Jesus began. And we just thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you laid Jesus down as the foundation for the kingdom you're building now. God's building his kingdom. God is building a kingdom. In fact, you know, sometimes when we're Christians for a long time, we forget a lot of the simple things. Who breezes over words in the Bible sometimes? And then one day you don't realize, you don't do it in any, um, you know, irreverence towards God, but you just know those words, you know those verses, and we just read through them, and, or we're going and looking for the particular subject or topic that we're, we're <clears throat> interested in at the moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, I started to notice something. Something caught my attention. I was reading in the Gospels, and the word kingdom caught my attention. And I realized something that all of us have have known many times in our Christianity, uh, reading through those verses, how many times Jesus says them, and then sometimes we forget. And then I was just reminded again by the Holy Spirit that Jesus compares, he compares this earth, this world that we live in, to heaven, not just as uh, life and death, or your time here and then your time there, but as kingdoms. He talks about Satan ruling in this subworld, this lower world, this earthly realm. And Satan only got power because we handed him the keys. Humanity gave Satan the keys. Jesus 
is a redeemer, isn't he? We've been talking about Jesus came to redeem. We talked last week about Adam and Eve. Because see, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They were made really as a king and queen. Really kings and queens with God. I mean, they were made in the king's image with the father. And he said, now have dominion over the earth. Have dominion and rule. And they had everything given to them. I love um, uh, some Christian scientists have even seen how the firmament, how it just sustained the firmament that used to be around the earth and how you could just, everything would grow so supernaturally, really supernaturally. It, it was a, in a natural sense, but also it's supernatural how God designed it. But uh, they recreated uh, a, a mini version of what the firmament was down in like Texas. And they grew a tomato plant that produced something like 30,000 tomatoes by creating this extra oxygen that would have been because of this firmament. I mean, Adam and Eve really had this incredible, amazing earth that God gave them. And he gave them, right, as we, as we read, every single tree in the garden except one. Everything was theirs. They were able to, uh, the lion and the lamb lay down together as it's promised it, they will again, right? And so that was given over, though, willingly when we broke God's covenant, when we broke God's law, when we disobeyed God as humanity. And I say we because we are there with Adam and Eve. As I've said before, and it's been said before me, that if it wasn't Adam and Eve, we would have done it. If it wasn't for them, it would have been you and me. And, um, but Jesus restored that through his life here on earth and through his death, he bridged the gap back to what God originally designed, what God originally created. Now, the full, 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 full fulfillment, I say it that way because there's so many layers to what God is doing, isn't there? Jesus technically completely fulfilled it on the cross, but the, the, our time frame, the living out is still being played out, isn't it? We know the book of Revelation is not completed. Jesus will come again. He's going to rescue your physical body as well, whether it's still alive or whether it's in the ground or don't get weird if it was cremated. People say, some people believe that a cremated body, now they can't go to heaven because they have no body for it. I think the Lord, he made us out of clay, made us out of clay. I think the Lord can resurrect the cremated dust and make a body again. He's going to give us new bodies anyway. But the Lord is going to come and rescue your physical body as well. He'll give it a whole transformation. Your spirit that's already been transformed in this dying body will then transform the physical body as well, just as Jesus went and then came back. He had a physical body. They were able to touch his physical body put his, their hands in his physical wounds, and yet it was, it was a new body. So we see that God is doing something that is taking some time only in our perspective, not to him. It's all been done. God lives outside of time. God said, I believe when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It was finished. Just as I believe that when God rested on the seventh day after doing everything in the earth and creating everything, God rested. I believe that he truly rested, that it was done then too. We just, our human minds can't fully, so I'm going to explain it as best I can, but we can't fully understand. But we live in time. God doesn't live in time. So even though it's finished, even though Jesus said it's complete, it's finished, there is a walking out and a living out. That's important, though, for us to understand, and God reminds us of that over and over again in his word, that time is short, as I say often in James, that it's a vapor, uh, that, that Jesus tells us in the parable to use many parables to, to uh, like our treasure, uh, to use what we've been given wisely, and I may look at that today but that he is establishing his kingdom. It says in Matthew, before I delay any longer, I'm not delaying, I don't mean to say that, that's not true. Don't, don't throw all that out as if that was an intro. Well, let me just open up the word here so I can actually speak some scriptures here. It says in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, 
It says, from then on, everybody say, from then on. So now Jesus, he had lived for a season as a man. And that was on purpose because he needed to be equal to our sin. Remember, remember his blood on the cross is equal to your blood on the cross. This was important that he lived for these 30 years as a man and was tempted, the Bible says, in every way that we are tempted. And then his ministry finally is beginning here. And it says, from then on, this was his message. Everybody say, this is Jesus' message. He said, repent of your sins. Some people try to say that was John the Baptist's message, that you had to repent, that Jesus is just believe. But it says that Jesus preached, repent of your sins and turn to God For the kingdom, everybody say the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus came and preached a kingdom. He didn't just preach an escape plan. But Jesus is, see, God is king, isn't it? Isn't he? He is a king. In fact, all of heaven is a hierarchy. And we don't fully understand it, nor will I try to stand here with some wise words and tell you that I do understand it with, in description, I don't, and nor does the Bible tell us in description about the hierarchy of God. But what we understand is that God is overall. We also understand that even Satan, even Satan, being used by God, right? God used him to put Jesus on the cross. Satan did it without being forced by God. He was doing it to destroy God's plan, but God used it to establish his plan. But even Satan, we see in the book of Job, had to go before he could tempt Job and ask God's permission before he could do anything to him. Even Satan is somewhere in the hierarchy of God. We don't know exactly. The Bible paints a picture that looks something like that he was the top angel, the angel over worship in heaven. That's what the scriptures portray. We don't have that 100% clear, but that's what it looks like. And so God is a king, and there is a kingdom. Everybody say, there's a kingdom. Why is it important to understand this, isn't it? We just say we just love Jesus, so let's just know Jesus. And that's true, except that Jesus' message was the kingdom is near. The kingdom is at hand, you may know it as. The kingdom is close. The kingdom. And what is he talking about? What is the kingdom? The kingdom is that God wants to be close to you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be your friend capital B, but he is also still Lord. I love that he wants to be our friend. There's been many kings that aren't friends of their peasants. You realize he is the king and we're peasants, right? We were. Everybody say we were. We don't parade ourselves around in pride, but we are no longer peasants. We will, the Bible gives us so many verses, but we will rule and reign with God. We will share in God's glory. We will be there with him. He gives us robes. He gives us crowns. He has adopted us. He has grafted us in to his family. And this is incredible because there is no kingdom in this natural world that does that for their peasants. But God, meanwhile, while he does that, he still must be revered as God and Lord. Even though that's incredible, that is wonderful, that Jesus sat, and I've been just reading on these scriptures, Jesus sat with the sinners He sat with the prostitutes. He sat with the tax collector during your tax season. (laughs) He sat with them and loved them and preached to them. What an amazing God. What an amazing God he is. And yet, as much as his love is there for us, as much as Jesus did it willingly, something that we can miss, and I don't believe that you are missing it, but I must just still be obedient and and do what the Lord's asking me and preach it, 
is that he is king. Many people call Jesus Savior, but they don't call him Lord. Or you may say the word Lord, but your hearts, right? He said, I don't care. There's, there's multiple verses, but the Bible says, I don't need your sacrifice. I want your obedience. To truly call him Lord is not from your mouth. To call him Lord is a life that reflects those words. And it is incredible. If you will do this, God literally takes nothing. David said, who are we that you even think of us, that you're mindful of us? He will take us and place us in Christ at his right hand. That is incredible. That is such a big, it is so giant that God over everything, God who made everything, the universe, they're saying, just keeps expanding, right? They just keep, they can't go far enough. We can never reach the end. It's so big. God is so big. And we, little us, can rule and reign with God. But it requires, yes, the, uh, the friendship, really, to make it, the relationship as we've been talking about, it requires that, but simultaneously requires a bended knee. It requires sometimes your face on the ground before him. It requires the humility. Even Jesus, we've looked at this many times, even Jesus, who is the son of God, even Jesus it says that he did not consider himself for a season, for a time period on this earth, equal with God, right? He, he, he got rid of his equality. He, he disregarded his lordship, his kingship in submission to the Father for a purpose. And that is also the path that he laid out for us. And so Jesus said, there is a kingdom coming. The kingdom is coming soon. Repent of your sins and turn to God. It doesn't disregard that we believe. It is as simple. The gospel is as simple as just believing in Jesus. But if you truly believe in Jesus, then you must believe who Jesus is and what Jesus said. So if I believe Jesus, simple, I believe and now I'm saved. Believe Belief and confession of that belief is salvation. But this is what you're believing in. This is the very first account. This is what we see where he, where the message is proclaimed, what the message is. And it's a repentance. It's a complete turning. It's a, it's a abandonment. Believing in Jesus is completely and totally submitting to him. Are we willing to do that, believers? I know. Yes, we are. Thank you for that round of applause. Yes, Lord, we are. I know it was a rhetorical question, but thank you for your excitement there. We are willing, Jesus. We are willing to be submitted to you. It says in verse 23 in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, so just some verses later, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. We, also, we talk about the good news, but it's the good news about the kingdom. He announced the good news of the cross. The cross is part of that plan, right? We don't disregard any part just like as I've been talking about in these last weeks about the wisdom of God versus the knowledge of this world and that the wisdom of God came through Jesus and not the book of the Bible, yet we don't disregard the Bible because the Bible is Jesus on paper. And so we don't disregard one part just because we acknowledge the other. It is the good news includes the cross. It includes a simple belief. It includes friendship. It includes release 
from disease, from pressures, from your fears, from your worries, from whatever captivity the devil has put on your life. But the good news is the kingdom. God is establishing a kingdom and we will miss the fullness of what God has for us if we don't understand this. It is so important that we understand that it's a kingdom. We can't then, we don't just start comparing it to the kingdoms of this world. We don't want to understand this. And I'm going to look at this in these next sermons deeper. We'll just look at what Jesus calls it instead of me trying to describe it. So we don't want to immediately think of, you know, like a, we think of kings, we think of like the king of England and the hierarchy of, you know, a natural land, something like that, or some king of a, some satanic TV show that you shouldn't be watching. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, that was for you. There are kings, but Jesus, our father, the king, is the king, and his kingdom is his kingdom. It is not compared to any other kingdom. His kingdom is his kingdom. And we see in Matthew 5, just a few more verses later, the next verses. He starts out with, we have the, these Amazing verses, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, those chapters. I love Jesus' words in those chapters. And he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, God blesses those who are poor. And you may know it as poor in spirit, right? It's those that are needy for God. See, the good news of the kingdom was that there is a group of nobodies, there's a group of people that are in captivity. There's a world that has been trapped. There's a world that has been put in bondage by our own will. But we, the world was put in bondage at the garden. It was trapped at the garden. And the good news is that he has come to rescue you and to restore you. And not just to wash you clean and free you and make you whole and so you get to go to heaven, but so that you will sit with him and reign with him and be with him. He takes you and pulls you up into his kingdom. This is incredible that he rescues the poor. Everybody say, we are poor. We are poor in spirit. We are poor. And so the NLT says, and they're poor who realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In fact, that's the only way to inherit the kingdom. Jesus said, unless you come to me as a child. They started asking God, disciples asking God, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus said, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. It's so opposite, right? It's the inside, upside down kingdom. It's so opposite of our human minds. You must become like children. You must be poor in spirit. You must get strip off everything you must be in that place and that's why come on church isn't it so hard to witness to someone who thinks they have it all or knows it all it's so hard to reach the person that doesn't have poorness in one way or another it's not monetary it's just poor like i have a need he he Every single person in this entire earth has a need for him. Everyone has a need. Not everyone responds to that need, though, do they? Jesus knows who they are. Even before time began, Jesus knew who would respond to him. But every single one of us has a need for him. Every one of us is poor. But we think we're not poor in this world. Many in this world have given themselves to this world and have fulfilled a false peace. They have found a false peace and they have entered into the kingdom of this world. They entered into a place even of lordship and having even um, authority in this world, in this realm, right? There are many. Who knows? This is not conspiracy. Who knows that it is fact that many of the Christian artists in the music world and the Hollywood world, and I mentioned this just some weeks ago, 
They're bold about it, so I don't need to be weird about it. It's not conspiracy. It's not secret. But they will willingly tell you that they have sold their souls to the devil. And in exchange, he gives them power and authority on this earth. In fact, I was just thinking about how Marilyn Manson, uh, he said that before he would enter the st- uh, go on stage, and it doesn't really matter what the demon's name is, but some demon, he invited the demon in. Sounds a lot like what we do to the Holy Spirit. Invited the demon in. Now, in exchange for the demon being able to use him as he will on stage, this is just his story, but it sounds a lot like the thing we start to see happening here in the kingdoms of this world and a counterfeit, right? The devil is an angel of light. He is not the Lord, the light. He comes as an angel of light. He's the counterfeit. There is a counterfeit world. There's a counterfeit kingdom. And you can become part of it. You might not even know it. You can just be a peasant in his kingdom and have no hierarchy and just be going along and serving him and serving this world and serving its power, serving its will. But anyway, he would invite the spirit in and in exchange, he made him famous and gave him wealth. There are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of darkness. There is no in-between, actually, either. It's a very harsh statement, but Jesus said in John chapter 6, and he said to them, they were arguing with him about who he was (laughs) as Jesus. And they start to say to him, you know, who gave you authority? Our father is Abraham. You know, we have Moses. But who are you? You're 30 years old, not realizing who Jesus was. But anyway, Jesus sums up his response to them with this. He said, your father is the devil. And to the people he said it to, you would think he was talking to the hypocrites. Uh, I'm sorry, he was talking to the hypocrites. You would have thought he was talking to the prostitute and to the tax collector, to the murderers. But he was talking to the religious He's talking to those who knew the word probably better than we even know the word today. Has literally devoted their lives every day, all day, to just studying the word. And yet he called them their father, the devil. There are two kingdoms, and the devil's been trying to establish his kingdom since the garden. He, the Bible says, and, and we don't fully understand again, so I won't try to tell you in fact. We just know what Jesus said. Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. We don't know the exact moment. We don't know if that was before Adam and Eve or after Adam and Eve. We're not sure. doesn't tell us. But we know at some point, because we have Genesis, I believe the word that he comes to try to take away what God established as king and with his princes, right? We are, we are princes with him. I said kings and queens. You can call it whatever you want. Kings, queens, princes, whatever. We, st- we serve in the kingship of God. We are there with God. And that's what he did with Adam and Eve. And, and Satan took it and stole it away. And, and you are serving, believe it or not, I know this is a hard statement, but you are serving the devil's kingdom if you're not serving God's without your will being part of it at all. You don't even know it. And, and that's why at the beginning when I was talking about how he's rescued you, you start to realize how your life was actually furthering the devil's kingdom before Christ, wasn't it? You start to see, wow. And that he had us in there like pawns. You know, the, he just, what he does, and, 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 and know that this is true. Who's been used by Satan? Who was tricked to sin? Right? Everyone in here. This is not a trick question. <laughs> but then after you did, what does he come and do? He condemns you for the very thing that he tricked you into doing. You're just a pawn to him. And in even the biggest people, like, you know, we've got Jay-Z and Beyonce, billionaires now, and, and are openly saying, you know, Illuminati, whatever, who cares? I'm not going to get into all the conspiracy stuff, whatever. But the point is that they are openly serving darkness, and 
They've been blessed supernaturally through him, but they are just pawns in a system. They are not going to be ruling and reigning with Satan for all eternity. There is one ultimate result for darkness. The Bible says, and let's just look. I love this, cha- this chunk of scripture. Let's go to Revelations chapter 19. Is this making any sense today? Are we, are we okay today? And I'm just getting spooled up. If today seems, today is an intro maybe for some more sermons as well. But Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, talks about Jesus on a white horse. It says, I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. And let's just continue here. Verse 12, his eyes were like flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns. Who's thinking of the songs? And he's got a song. And on his head are many crowns. I love that line. And a name was written on him that no one understood except himself. In verse 13, he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. Verse 14, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. And see, this is a picture of some of his kingdom. This may be angels, it could also be believers. We're, we don't fully know, but this is his kingdom. He has a kingdom, he is, he is king, he is on a white horse, he has fire in his eyes, he is, has a crown, he is a king, and he has a war to wage. Jesus accomplished on the cross the rescuing of your life, but then he sets you on a path. He, as I say so many times, If his purpose was just for salvation, then he would just immediately, the second you accept him, to just take you to heaven then. But there is an establishing of his kingdom. It is not permanent here in this realm. This realm will all be wrapped up. But he is establishing, he is subduing, the Bible says in many different verses, the enemy under his feet, but where. It's under our feet as well because we're aligned with Christ. The Bible tells us that we will tread upon the head of the lion and upon the serpent and the scorpion. And that's because we are sitting here with the armies of heaven. Whether this specific portion of scripture or not, we, it's clear we are with Christ in the army of heaven. We have been aligned with him. We are in his kingdom. We don't parade around in pride as Christians, but we are no longer of this world. We are not peons and we are not peasants and we are not under the sickness and disease and the captivity of this world. We are not under the bondage of the wealth of this world. We do not submit to this natural world, but we submit to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 15, it says, for his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations and he will rule them with an iron rod and he will release the fierce wrath of God, the almighty, like juice foaming from a wine press. In verse 16, and on his robe at his thigh was written this title, king of all kings and Lord of all lords. Many people today, they're missing the fullness of the gospel, and Jesus is not your homeboy. There's a hat, right, and a t-shirt that goes around, Jesus is my homeboy. Listen, again, he is the best friend that you could ever know. I love that he wants to be our friend, but he's not a homeboy. He is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords and He's establishing His kingdom. And so many times we wrestle with God because we're trying to understand what's happened. We got saved. We got saved and and we felt the love of Jesus Christ, but then we start to go through his word or we're in his church and there's this wrestling and a lot of people just push the wrestling aside and they say, I feel much freer. I just stopped reading the word and stopped going to church and now I feel free. But what they don't realize was that wrestling was is that God was he was he was establishing his kingdom that you joined the army of God that you became a member of a different kingdom you are no longer in this world or of this world 
And that wrestling that you feel, and they, I remember I had a, fr- a good friend of mine say, I feel so much better now, I feel so much peace, I felt compelled like I had to pray and had to read the word as if that was a bad thing. I said, I feel so much freer because I just stopped worrying about that. And what happened? Just some short years later, has no church now. No body of believers, the accountability. And we'll look into some of that, why it's so important that we that it's only Jesus, he's the foundation, but that the church is there to protect you, that his word was sent in book form after the spirit form hits your heart and chain, you know, did something inside you, then the book is important because it tells you what's going on inside you so that then your human mind can submit and so on. Anyway, I want to get into too many things at once here. We're, we're establishing this, that there is one thing that happens to darkness. There are two kingdoms, but there is only one kingdom that will rule and reign. They think they're going to subvert God and take God somehow. And verse 17 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather for the great banquet God has prepared, verse 18, and come and eat the flesh. I know this is rough, guys, but this is the word. Come eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Jesus is, I'm going to say it again, and, and for those listening out there in the podcast, he loves you so much. He is the best friend you could ever have, but he is also Lord, and he is coming soon. And this is how he's coming. They said, they, they warn us in the scriptures in Matthew 24 and 25 gives us some warnings for the times it looks like we're living in and says, they're going to say, Jesus is over there, Jesus is over there, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. But this is how he's coming. It says, upon the clouds, he's going to come as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Jesus, he's, he's not coming without love, but he came with love in a way, and when he came in the human body, in a way that is a little bit different than when he's going to come again. When he comes again, you are either his or you are of this world, and those of this world will be feasted upon. But if you are his, he will, you will mount up with your own white horse and ride with him into eternity in his kingdom. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, see, even the disciples didn't understand Jesus. Even they didn't fully understand what happened. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So Jesus came back, and what does he talk to them about? The kingdom of God. And so verse 6 says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come? They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come to restore Is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? See, they could only understand it as a human kingdom. And that was the kingdom of Israel was really just a picture. It was only a picture. It was a picture of God's kingdom, but it was a very small, it was really not comparable in any way. But for our human minds, for us to understand and for people to understand we must look at that kingdom, but really no comparison. But there was, if you look and we see what happened here is God rescued them from the grip of the world, Egypt being the world, right? They were slaves to the system of the world. The, Egypt gave them everything they wanted. They were fed well. We know that because they complain about that in the wilderness. Where's my cucumbers? Right? But they were slaves, and upon their backs were whipped. That's what this world will do to you. It will give you what you need. It will fulfill your needs, but it will beat you, right? Who's been beaten down by this world? Gave you temporary, 
you know, comfort while you're eating your cucumber for getting the wounds upon your back. So we know that they were taken care of, but the Lord rescued them and crushed them. And even, even Pharaoh, right, had the, has the, the symbol of the serpent, right, Satan, right, upon his head, right? He rescued them from the grip of Satan. Look at this amazing picture. He takes them into a place that we must go as Christians, into the wilderness, which is the training of God, which is just the stripping. It's the total reliance upon him. It's where you learn he is. He was savior. Come on. Wow, guys. Let's look at this picture. He saved them without them ever doing anything. They didn't deserve it. They didn't do anything. He just saved them. But then he taught them that he's Lord. Those that didn't want to call him Lord, what happened in the wilderness? They died. He saved them freely without them doing anything. The salvation is free, but then you must come to the Lordship of God. And then when they did, those that called them Lord, what did he do? He took them into the, he crossed over. Jordan is the picture of, of life and death. They crossed over into the promise. The New Testament, the book of Hebrews tells us that we don't cross into a physical land. We cross over into a spiritual promise through Jesus Christ. And so they crossed over into the promise. And what do they do there? What do they do? They subdue. If they submit to God, stay in that lordship of God. What do they do? They take the demonic entities, right? There are many, 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 many there. It takes some time. They take the demonic entities and one by one, they subdue them and crush them under their feet to rule as kings in the land. And so they're going to ask him, Jesus, that's what you're going to do again, right? Jesus, that's what you're going to do, right? It's going to be, that's, are you going to do that now? Are you, because you're the seed of David, are we going to have our kingdom here again? Are you going to get rid of the Romans and the Greeks? Are you going to get rid of them and we're going to be kings with you again? But he says, verse 7, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. So we don't need to know the dates and the times of how he's going to do that and when he's going to do it. But verse 8, but he t he's preaching about the kingdom. They ask about the kingdom and here's his response. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, and he raised up the apostles to further his kingdom. When we preach the gospel, we preach the salvation of Jesus, but it must also, if we're going to preach the kingdom of God, must include the lordship of God. Without the lordship of God, we are preaching what sounds like a gospel, but it's not the gospel, because the gospel is the kingdom of God. The full gospel is the kingdom of God. The salvation of God is not disregarded, and it is exactly what the word says, free. It is also exactly what the word says, that you cannot do anything after the fact to earn it. But if the salvation of Jesus has truly captured your heart and we've truly repented, as Jesus said, I mean, Jesus started his ministry, Matthew chapter 4, with this, repent and turn to God. And if we do that, then the kingdom is now in our hearts. In fact, Jesus says the kingdom is already here. He says so many times it's at hand, it's near. And then later on in the Gospels, he says it's already here. Why? Because he had already begun. He had implanted into the apostles what he was given to do, which is to preach the gospel, preach the kingdom. And the, the full message of that is that he is God and he will rescue you and he will do it freely. He will take you. He went again. I have to say it again. He, I love that Jesus was unashamed. He was unafraid of what they said about him, and they do call him out on it to sit with the sinners. But his message was, you're in captivity, you're in bondage, and I'll rescue you, 
but there is a way. I'm Lord. Come on, he's Lord, isn't he? Isn't he Lord? First Corinthians chapter 15. Let me sum it up with this for today. There's many, many more things, and as always, but let's just look. Uh, actually, quickly, John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus answered, everybody say, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. He has a supernatural kingdom, kingdom above this world, and I wanted to get some more into that, but we'll get more into it next week. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, it says, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, wow, see, it's not just for this life. The devil will try to give you, and even when you start confessing Jesus, who's had a visitation? I mean, I'm not saying he had red horns and a tail sitting in your restaurant, but who's had a visitation? You knew it was the devil coming to you post-Christ to try to give you things of this world, try to lure you back into the world. Is anybody in here, like myself, been offered this world again, even post-Christ? And see, because the devil can only, this is his, his realm. He knows his time is ticking. There is a clock on his life and on his kingdom. But on the kingdom of God, that, has, that the Jesus has already began. Jesus is the foundation. We've been preaching about that. He's the foundation and the apostles and the prophets, and we are built, and he's building, he's building, he's building, and he will build however he wishes. He's God, and we must be submitted to that, and he will place us as bricks upon that, right? And we've been talking about that, our lives further than next. But they said, if it's only for this life, it's not this life, Although he gives us many gifts, who's been given many gifts in this life by him? I mean, one of the greatest is children. Just what, I mean, the Bible says it, and, I, and then you learn to know it, that children are a blessing. I mean, it's an incredible blessing, and so we have many blesses in this, blessings in this life, but that's not the uh, only blessing, right? My goal is for my children to know Christ so that that blessing continues on forever and ever and ever. It's not just for this life, but he gives us many things, and some things will disappear as well, right? If he gives you a home, he gives you a, a car, he gives you a good job, and he can give you those things, those things aren't going to last, and it doesn't mean that we say, oh, I don't want them, God. He can still have them. They're just not it. It's not it. Everybody say, that's not it. And he actually gives those things freer the more submitted you are to his kingdom, if you go and you pursue those things, sometimes you get them. Wow. But it's not from God. And I was going to look at that. We don't have time. So he says, you're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see that just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order. Everybody say, there is an order. See, there is a kingdom, there is a hierarchy, there is an order to this resurrection. Everything that God does is in order. Gravity works in order. Even Satan, as we looked at earlier, is in the order of God. We don't fully understand that. We, can say, we just scratch our head and say, how is that possible? How can you let him? And we just have to just step back and say, you're God. That's really the answer. I don't have any other answer for you, but just say, he's God. He understands. And I'm reading the book of Revelation and seeing that he will be dealt with. And so will anyone who works with him to do anything to anyone in this world. Jesus tells us that clearly. He says, don't let me get to you. You lead one of my little children away. Wait till I get to you. So they will be dealt with. We don't understand the time in between, but he will do what he's going to do. 
which is to establish the kingdom fully and completely with no death, with no devil, with no evil, with no darkness, but only light. We don't even need the sun and the moon anymore because the light of God is purely shining and there is no darkness. So there's an order, and it says those who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back in verse 24, and after that end will come when he will turn the kingdom of God. He will turn the kingdom of God, he'll turn it over to God the Father, and it says, having destroyed every ruler and authority, every sub-kingdom, all the kingdoms of this world, including Satan himself in this kingdom, these, uh, these sub-kingdoms, these temporary kingdoms, what she will try to get you to live in and serve in, all of that gets destroyed. And it says, verse 25, for Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It's amazing. I hope that you got something out of this today. Sometimes the words don't mean as much as what's happening in our spirits. But the Lord is establishing his kingdom. He is building here. And it's just a few of us. But the Lord is doing something here. And those listening out there. And so, Lord, we just pray. Lord, you build your kingdom in this church. We're not building anything here, Lord. We're just submitted to you. We're going to build as you direct us to build, Lord. And that's it. Lord, we want the purity of the gospel. We want the full gospel. We don't want one that appeals to our senses. We want the whole entire gospel. Lord, we want to be in the church as you called us to be, uh, in the word as you called us to be, submitted to the Holy Spirit as you called us to be. And we don't need to try to figure all that out. We just need to listen to you day by day, moment by moment, and you will direct us as you have promised. We just pray, Lord, your kingdom be established, Lord, in this city. Lord, that it would be known that those people, they're incredibly humble, but they're submitted to God. It's clear that they call God their Lord. He's their king. I pray, Lord, for us and for all those that aren't present here physically, Lord, but are this church. We just pray for them right now, Lord, that you would do a work in their hearts as well, Lord. Do a work in their hearts just as you're doing a work in our hearts, Lord, and build us, Lord Jesus. Take away all the dross, all the junk, all the stuff that keeps us, and I thank you, Lord, as we submit to the kingdom, and then we also do, Lord, we preach out of what has been happening in us, Lord. You're doing the kingdom in us, so then it comes out of us, Lord. I thank you, the purity of the kingdom of God. We just pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.